Jill turned the corner and went down the dark hallway, the lightning barely illuminating through the windows, rain and wind pounding against them. She saw her partner on the Stars team, but he was laying on the ground and there was something hunched over him. She moved closer. She could hear the squishing of the blood and the flesh. She went closer. And as she got close enough, she could see it was a person gnawing a hole through the man's throat. And he turned around, face pale white, almost falling off the rotting flesh, his mouth covered in blood, his teeth bright red, his lips long since fallen off his face. Jill found a zombie. Good evening. Welcome to Oddity. A level layer to the unexplained. I'm Joe, and with me, as always, is Keith. How's it going, guys? And today, we are talking about zombies. One of my absolute favorite bullet sponges, if I can call them that. I'm a huge fan of the Resident Evil games myself, so a lot of you may recognize that story that Joe told just a second ago as your first encounter with a zombie in the Spencer Mansion in the first Resident Evil, which still is burned into my mind. I want to say I was like nine or 10 the first time I played that game. And that pixelated zombie was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was way too young. I was way too young to be seeing and playing Resident Evil. I started way too young. And that's probably why I am the way I am today. When it comes to zombies, there is real life roots. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that. So I'll give a brief outline of what a zombie is, and then we'll kind of dive into everything else here. A zombie 
is a mythological undead corporeal revenant created through the reanimation of a corpse. Zombies are most commonly found in horror and fantasy genre work. The term comes from Haitian folklore, in which a zombie is a dead body reanimated through various methods, most commonly magic like voodoo. Mardmia depictions of the reanimation of the dead often do not involve magic, but rather science fictional methods such as carriers of disease, radiation, mental disease, vectors, pathogens, parasites, scientific accidents, etc, etc. And with that, let's tell us a little bit more about these non-fiction zombies. One of the first places that I want to take this is probably the scariest place with the story of Rudy Eugene, who is also known as the Miami zombie or the Causeway cannibal. Um, I know a lot of people have heard this story, and I just think this is the really logical place to go to actually ground the phenomenon of zombies within our reality. Rudy Eugene was just a young man, run-of-the-mill kind of guy, had a little bit of trouble with the law in the past, but nothing crazy. After abandoning his car and stripping himself completely naked, Rudy Eugene accused Ronald Popo of stealing his Bible. Completely unprovoked, he then beat the man unconscious, removing his pants, and then he began to eat most of Popo's face, including his left eye. This incident went on for about 18 minutes as onlookers looked on in absolute horror as a young naked man crouched over another man just devouring his face. The incident did end whenever Eugene was fatally shot by police. Still to this day, the motivations of Rudy Eugene are unknown. Although drug use, primarily basalt, have been speculated to have led to this deranged behavior. However, toxicology reports only showed that marijuana was in the system. So this attack still to this day remains unexplained. So I hadn't heard that story in so long. And I remember when that story happened and I think everyone made the joke, you know, bath salt zombies, how bath salt can make you crazy and cannibalistic, but it does invoke kind of that same imagery of what I was talking about when I was reading the Resident Evil story earlier. It is very much the deranged man eating another man out of just nothing but bloodlust, lost his humanity, just gnawing on a man's face. When you said took his pants off, I was really hoping, really hoping you were not going in the direction I thought you were going. Oh no, it didn't go there. But that's more chimpanzees. Sidebar, chimpanzees scare the hell out of me. I do not trust them, and anytime I see them in a the movie, it makes me anxious. They're wild animals. Going back to the zombie portion of this, I've seen like videos of people on PCP who can just get tased and keep walking, and they can actually take a few good gunshots before they go down. I've seen them, you know, rip doors off cars. Drugs do a lot to a person, but like you said, there is nothing in his system besides some marijuana. But what would have compelled a man to do that besides extreme psychosis? And that's the scariest thing about the story of Rudy Eugene is that no one knows why. According to all his friends and his family, 
he had a little bit of trouble with the law when he was younger, but nothing crazy, nothing extremely violent. By family admissions, he was trying to quit marijuana and just get his life back on track. But then just one day, he's just driving down the road and his car stops. He decides to get out, take off all of his clothes, and then just wanders three miles where he encounters Ronald Popo, the only person that he apparently ran into and just felt compelled to attack this man. He didn't attack anyone else. I remember hearing about this and I was like, oh man, like I really feel like he ran afoul of a Haitian bokur. Just scared me. I was expecting a lot more attacks like that to happen. I'm on the same page as you. I think I was in middle school when this happened, middle school or high school. I can't remember, but I was young. But I remember this and thinking like, okay, so now we're just going to see a rash of bath salt zombies eating people and literally eating five gunshots before they go down, you know? I know the common Haitian zombie is someone who has been drugged into people believing they're dead and then are dug up after the funeral and forced to work on the farm, the estate, as kind of these soulless, mindless creatures, totally subservient to the Bokur, as you said, which is a necromancer. Which, by the way, keep an eye out. We're going to have a sponsored episode midway between seasons one and two. That's going to be sponsored by an upcoming book. I don't want to give too much away right now, but it's going to be, I think, a pretty good episode. And we will talk about necromancers in long form on that episode. So keep an eye out for that. In Haitian folklore, a bokor or a necromancer, sorcerer, or witch, in this tradition, they drug the person to a point where the person believes that they die. They even go as far as burying the person and then digging them up. And this person is so into the belief of Haitian voodoo and hoodoo or whatever you want to call it, that they basically become a personal slave to the Bokor. The interesting aspect to me of the Rudy Eugene case is that his vehicle that he was driving that became disabled was a purple Chevrolet Caprice that had a Haitian flag draped on it. So that right there leads me to believe that maybe he ran afoul of a Bokor or Ronald Popo did and Rudy Eugene was just merely a pawn and getting his revenge on this man for whatever reason. That deepens the mystery for me and makes it even more terrifying. When you put it that way, it is actually terrifying to think about. I always think about, you know, walking down the street, minding my own business, some dude comes up and he's like, hey, you stole my Bible. And I'm just, every time someone says that now, I'm just going to walk the other way or just get ready to throw hands because I'm not letting anyone eat my face. And I think you're right, you know, if there is something besides, you know, some sort of cannibalistic bloodlust at play, it could very well be that either Mr. Popo or um, Mr. Eugene ran afoul of a Bokur or a voodoo practitioner of some sorts, and they were cursed or somehow being controlled into doing that. It's very... Very creepy, really, to think that that can just happen in broad daylight. Reading a little bit more into the uh, the reports as well, there were a couple people who did call the police during this attack. There was a passing cyclist, Larry Vega. He came upon the scene and he alerted the authorities. 
And then a few minutes later, the officer Jose Ramirez arrived and he basically thought they were fighting. And so he approached like you normally would people fight it. Hey, come on guys, break it up. And then he realized what was happening, that this man was devouring the other man's face. And that's whenever he pulled his weapon and he told him to stop. And the only thing that Rudy Eugene did was turn to him and growl before he resumed biting at his victim's face, which there's a couple different ways you can look at this. Either he was cursed by Bokur. I mean, there could have even been some sort of demonic infestation or possession. Something was not right with this guy, and I definitely don't think it was drugs. Yeah, there was definitely like, it seems like if you were tripping that hard, you wouldn't be as lucid as to, you know, eat someone's face. That is, oof, I don't like that at all. That's kind of weird. What I will say about this story that I thought was really interesting is, you know, it is just that big parallel between the zombies we know today portrayed in our popular culture. It's that mindless, ravenous, not going to stop for anything kind of being that just keeps going and going and going, you know, a la, you know, The Walking Dead, Night of the Living Dead, World War Z. If there's one word to describe the zombies, it's relentless. And I think that my first experience with zombies was the 1968 film by George Romero, Night of the Living Dead. I'd remember seeing that a long, long time ago. And it was terrifying to me. I was young. I was like maybe seven or eight whenever I first saw that. There was no motivation behind the zombies. All they knew was to move forward and to feed. And to me, something that's that dedicated to what it wants to do or that determined is, I mean, how do you stop something like that? Obviously, you know, with zombie lore, you know, you, you destroy their brain and they're basically useless, but that's really scary. I would love to be boisterous and say that I'd be able to handle it, but if a group of people came at me that were absolutely mindless, I would probably turn tail and run, absolutely. Oh yeah. You know, there are very few cryptids that I'd stand and fight, and zombies aren't one of them. I'd probably try and throw hands with the Jersey Devil or a Leprechaun, but probably not gonna throw hands with a zombie or Bigfoot. I just have too much respect for Bigfoot. I know we talked about the black eyed kids just getting absolutely smoked by a right hand or a stiff clothesline so that we would absolutely take those kids out. But I've always been one of those people that's been said that everybody has their zombie survival fantasy. And I've never been one of those people. I'd be like, no, I'm just going to uh, make sure that they don't know where I am and I'm going to just do my best to survive. I'm not going to try to fight everything. Oh, yeah. Zombie apocalypse. I'm laying down and dying like straight up. I'm not doing that. The world's hard enough as it is now with zombies running around. Frick that. I'm not doing that. No, no, no. No, no, no. I mean, honestly, with COVID-19 and everything, man, I was like looking at 2020 like, all right, when do the zombies show up? Because this is a cluster. You know, that actually brings up something that I want to talk about. Did it kind of feel like one when the pandemic first started? Because I remember um, I wasn't working from home during the first few weeks of the pandemic. I remember that first week I was driving to work and it's like the highway's empty. Like it's me and three other cars out here. I'm going 80 because not even the cops are out right now to check me. And then it's like, it was just eerie because, you know, the workplace was empty. It felt like I shouldn't even be there. And then 
It's the absolute opposite because I went to a store to work that day and it's a madhouse. You can't find toilet paper, a pound of ground beef. Shoot. I mean, I remember like I, I want to pick up my fiance some tea and they're out of tea. And like this wasn't a Walmart or, you know, a smaller store. This was a Woodman's. Like Woodman's is a step below Costco in terms of like buying in bulk. So like when I couldn't get my Nutter Butters, I nearly lost it. But it's just the stark contrast of people preparing for a pandemic and, you know, driving through a pandemic are completely different things. Like all of a sudden it's like there ain't no one to be seen for miles. Whenever COVID was in full swing and going into stores and seeing everybody with their masks and the way that people were looking at other people whenever people would just cough. I have never been so hyper aware of people coughing until COVID-19 happened. But you cough in a restaurant or in a store, people are just looking at you instantly like, oh, they got it, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. I know I can't be the only one that was just waiting for a couple of those unfortunate people who did pass away from COVID to disappear from the morgue or something. And I was like, oh, here we go. It definitely felt like a name the letter virus from the Umbrella Corporation that got out. And I was like, oh man, I am not Chris Redfield. I'm not out here punching boulders or anything. God, Resident Evil 5 really sucked. I didn't play it. I watched my brothers play it. And I was like, this sucks. This really looks like it sucks. And I, I will not play this. Um. <laughs> it, it literally feels like you're just Rambo, just mowing down like tribal people, which made me feel real weird. It basically just felt like um, Resident Evil 4 on steroids. For me anyways, Resident Evil 6 is the one that just was a suck fest. Oh, that's right. 6 sucked too. 5 and 6 were really, really bad. And then 7 was really good. Then 8 is apparently like the horniest game in the world, but it's really good. I can't wait till we talk about vampires. I'm going to bring up Lady Dimitrescu the entire episode. Oh yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a busty 9 foot tall vampire? But back to zombies. And kind of back to, you know, this particular encounter. I don't know how much more there is to be said, but I'm glad there haven't been other accounts like this. I really thought we'd be in the hundreds by now or thousands or, you know, something terrible would happen. But like, I'm glad nothing else like this has happened. The last thing I want to say on this is that same thing. I'm glad that nothing more came of it. But yeah, it just makes you wonder about other attacks or other things like this that have happened. I think a lot of it goes to people's mental states because I know a lot of people got real nutty with the pandemic and everything. So people, especially with like sporting events coming back, man, people are just looking for a reason to fight. Sun's in four. God, that guy must look like an now, huh? Guy who's throwing hands, screaming Sun's in four, and then they lost in six to the Bucks. God, what an I mean, I got respect for that guy because he was about to get jumped and he just smoked both of those dudes. Now, moving back to zombies and pop culture, you opened this episode with an homage to the original Resident Evil. One of the other ones is the House of the Dead. That was one of my favorite light gun shooters ever. And I remember just dumping so much money into that game just constantly. Yeah, I actually do like that one as well. I also think of The Last of Us, which is also a zombie game, and it's kind of based on the zombie fungus that infects spiders and ants. I do want to say that for my money, World War Z is better than The Walking Dead 
because at least there's an end in sight. Whereas The Walking Dead is just stupid. First couple seasons of The Walking Dead, I was on board with, and then I just I just couldn't do it. It's just too much. They're doing the same thing repeatedly, and I'm just I'm I'm tired of it. There needs to be an end in sight for that show. Movie-wise, you got the classics. You got, like you said, World War Z. I consider that a zombie classic now. You have Night of the Living Dead. You have Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead Part 2 is one of my favorites because it directly references that it's a remake of Return of the Living Dead, especially with two specific characters who are played by the same actors, and they basically play the same characters in the second one. And one of the older character goes, I feel like this has happened before. We did kind of dump on Resident Evil a little bit. I do want to say that I liked the first one, but when it was remade for the GameCube, because you could actually see what was going on when it was on the GameCube, the second one is a masterpiece. I've not played the third one, actually, but the fourth one's really good. Yeah, the debate typically with Resident Evil fans is you're either a fan of Resident Evil 3 Nemesis or you're a fan of Code Veronica. Code Veronica is a little bit more traditional Resident Evil style, whereas Nemesis, you have the Nemesis that's chasing you around, which is really cool, especially in that time frame, because you feel like, oh, I left this room. There's no way this thing is, oh God, it came out the door after me. (laughs) So I just thought that was really cool. I think they actually had a couple scripted events like that in Resident Evil 2 with Mr. X, but I never felt like I was being hunted by an adversary like that until Nemesis. I will say, um, when I talk about Resident Evil 2, I do mean the remake for the Xbox One and PS4. That one was really good. I enjoyed it a lot, actually. Way more than I should have, I think. I'm not a big fan of survival horror to begin with. I also want to point out that zombies are an enemy in The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, uh, one of my favorite games of all time. Skyrim, too. I mean, they're a little bit different lore, but the uh, oh, yeah, the, Dra- the Draugr the are basically zombies, but they're just a basically Viking folklore. But yeah, that's that's also one of my favorites. It's really hard to say that there's any other enemy type that's more prevalent than zombies. I mean, they're such good machine gun fodder, basically. <laughs> so, I mean, they're in everything. Oh, yeah. What is that one game where you're, like, in a mall with, like, a horde of zombies? You can, like, cut them down with chainsaws. Dead Rising by Capcom. I loved playing that at my friend's house on the 360. That was so much fun. Also, Saints Row the Third. Yeah. Um, that is a great, great, great game. And I will die on that hill. But there's also a bunch of zombies in that. Like, zombies are everywhere. If you think they're not, they probably are. Of course, you know, one of the first Treehouse of Horror episodes for The Simpsons, I think it was three is when Bart accidentally raises the dead. Yeah, I believe you're right. One of my favorites. I do want to say on video games before we move on to uh, TV shows and other things that one huge missed opportunity by Rockstar. I know they did the Undead Nightmare for Red Dead Redemption. Why have they not done a DLC of zombies for Grand Theft Auto? Ooh, that'd be really fun. Just completely redo San Andreas because that is your masterpiece, your magnum opus build it from the ground up, but also give us some DLC where Ryder or Big Smoke comes back and there's zombies and then they spread zombie virus everywhere. I would play the hell out of that game. I think that'd be really fun too. I also think for what it's worth, when it comes to video games, like I said, they're everywhere. 
and there's always going to be like one that I'm missing. Of course, there's the Redeads from The Legend of Zelda. Would be remiss to uh, forget about those guys. I'm just kind of looking at the video games I have across the uh, shelf on my bedroom TV stand. I'm just trying to think like, uh, I don't think there were zombies in Tony Hawk. Were there zombies in Tony Hawk Pro Skater? I want to say that there was a zombie that you could unlock as a as a skater in one of them. I don't remember which one, though. Oh, what about the zombies mode in Call of Duty? Is that still around? I have not played oh, Call yeah. of Duty in so long. I know people who only buy the Call of Duty games to just play zombies. So, yeah, that's still a thing. <laughs> Talk about soulless, you know, <laughs> Call of Duty. Just soulless husks dragging themselves along way after they're dead. But I think for video games, I think that kind of scratches all the major itches. Yeah, I mean, there's, of course, going to be some that we miss, like Zombies Ate My Neighbors and stuff like that. So if we forgot one, just, you know, forgive us, cut us some slack. Yeah, really, come on, stop it. But in terms of television, I know I mentioned The Simpsons, and I know we've taken some pot shots at The Walking Dead, and I will continue to do so. I don't like that show. It's really melodramatic. None of the characters are likable. None of them. It's such a grim outlook on humanity. It really is. And one thing that I do want to say TV-wise is the show Supernatural has done zombies very well. They had a really cool episode where some lonely loser resurrects the the girl of his dreams and she's a zombie going around eating people. (laughs) So that was kind of cool. One TV show that my wife and I really, really got into, actually two of them, The Santa Clarita Diet with uh, Drew Barrymore and I want to say Josh Duhamel is in that. Uh, Timothy Oliphant. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, the Santa Clarita Diet with Drew Barrymore, Timothy Oliphant. That's one of my favorite shows. And uh, Netflix, you are rat bastards for ending that at season three. You should bring it back, you. The other one that's just an extremely charming show is I Zombie. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, it is. The, uh, just to say something real quick to you, Joe. Her buddy, Rafi, works in the morgue with her. Reminds me of you every single time I watch that show. like oh my god that's totally joe just like the sense of humor just like all of it you know a fun fact about i zombie the actress who plays the uh lead role her first major role was a power ranger she was a power ranger what what, what season i want to say power rangers rpm and she was a yellow ranger really i did not know that by the way i'm pretty big power rangers fan if you don't watch anything outside of like the Zordon era, which ends at Power Rangers in Space, watch RPM. That is some really good stuff. I always loved the one with Divatox. Oh yeah, that's Turbo. Jeez, why was she so sexy in a kid's show is obnoxious. Oh, it was great though, because like I was five years old, so I didn't know what the frick was going on. Turbo was in... 98, I want to say. Oh yeah, yeah, you were real young then. Yeah, but... I was five. Yeah, if you guys don't know who I'm talking about, just look up Power Rangers Turbo Diva Talks and you'll be like, wait, why is she so, she is really sexualized for a kid's show. Just no one's gonna notice, like. I noticed. <laughs> but going on with some television shows, one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons, we're gonna get a lot of flack for this. So I'm just gonna bring it to me. Bring all the flack to me. I'm a huge Simpsons fan, first off, I own Almost every video game of The Simpsons has ever made. I'm about to start collecting the World of Springfield figurines. So no, don't tell me I'm a bad fan. It is Days of Future Future, which is season 25, episode 18, where zombies exist in the world. And uh, Milhouse, who is married to Lisa, becomes infected by a zombie and turns into one. 
And Lisa somehow finds him more attractive and bearable to be around as a mindless zombie than he ever was as Millhouse. I think it's a great episode. The only thing I remember about that episode is <laughs> is that basically Millhouse gets bit because he was being racist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, is... I'm sure you're one of the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get, Millhouse. Don't be racist. Jesus. This show's gone off the rails. Is there anything else from TV you can think of when it comes to zombies? It seems like zombies in pop culture has kind of, since 2015, kind of fallen back down to, like, irrelevancy. I'm glad for that, though. There were so many movies that were coming out that were just movies and TV shows. It was like, oh, zombie this, zombie that. I was so tired of zombies. It was time for them to be put back in the grave, so to speak. I mean... It, it seems like now that everybody's back on the, the bandwagon of the satanic hold that wants to sacrifice the woman or the baby and all that crap, like Mother and all that garbage and Midsummer. that's basically the exact same movie as The Wicker Man on repeat. But The Wicker Man is far superior because it's got our boy, Gosh. Nick Cage. Yes, you killing me will not bring back your god honey. Best line of the movie. That's somebody we need on this podcast right there, Nick Cage. You know, I would love to talk with Nicolas Cage for like even just two minutes just to tell him I'd love him. Oh, yeah. That brings up another good point, too, yeah. is um, so Nick Cage is in the movie Mandy. And then mm. you have the Blacks. What are they? The Black Skulls? Yeah, I think so. They're pretty much chemical zombies as well. What is it? A bad batch of PCP or LSD? Like makes <laughs> them like pain worshiping zombies. They're pretty much Cinebites like from Hellraiser. If you haven't seen that movie, Mandy, it's incredible. It's one of my favorites. I love it, too. Actually, I just am such a huge fan of that movie. I love how he's just, like, incredibly unhinged the whole time. But I think as far as zombies in popular culture, what else do we got here? I mean, there's Rob Zombie. I would consider the Misfits kind of zombies, especially I'm a huge fan of the Michael Graves era, which I know a lot of people are not. But it really drove home their whole kind of aesthetic we're the living dead or the astro zombies kind of thing i really enjoyed that era of the misfits of course glenn danzig is an absolute god and i love og misfits but michael graves took them to their most commercial success i think i guess in terms of music i'm not very well versed on the zombie influence i know that as we move into the 2020s as we go deeper into this year and into this decade I hope we see less and less zombies because, quite frankly, I have a hard time getting into zombie media. It is kind of just icky and gross, but that's just me. It kind of comes with the territory of zombies that (laughs) zombies have to be disgusting. Probably my all-time favorite zombie movie is the Peter Jackson movie Dead Alive, and it's absolutely just a repugnant movie. There's boils being popped everywhere, and there's blood everywhere. I think I love that movie so much just because it is a Peter Jackson movie and everybody's like, oh, Peter Jackson's such a visionary of the Lord of the Rings. It's like, oh man, he made some really crazy messed up movies before that though. Speaking of that, we should probably bring up the Resident Evil movies do exist. For how bad that they can be, they are a pretty fun, you know, little romp. In my mind, they're basically the Fast and the Furious movies before the Fast and the Furious movies took back off. I mean, they have very minimal to do with the actual story of the video games, but the reason why they got made so often and so many is because they would do okay in the United States, but then they would go overseas to like Japan and they'd love the hell out of those movies and they would make like billions of dollars. So then 
Sony was basically like, hey, Paul Anderson, uh, Mila Jovovich, you got to make another one because you made $25 billion off it. That gave Mila Jovovich a career. I can't think of anything else she's been in besides that god-awful, that god-awful Hellboy movie that came out in 2018, I want to say. I thought you were going to say The Fifth Element. I was about to fly through the internet and just just go off on you. That's one of my favorite movies. I love The Fifth Element. The Fifth Element's amazing. does not have zombies, though, which is a shame. No, no, it doesn't. There's actually a Resident Evil movie that's getting basically doing a remake that's a little bit more close to the game lore, which I'm pretty excited about. They released some pictures not too long ago showing like Leon and Claire, and I think they showed a picture of Chris as well. But the one I was excited about since you played the remake was they have a picture of Lisa Trevor in there, which that's one of the most disturbing but most sympathetic villains that they've ever had in the game series, besides like William Birkin. But Lisa Trevor is just a tragic story, but man, I did not like her following me around. Yeah, that was really creepy. I know that this episode, we did mostly talk about zombies in the sense of video games and pop culture, which I think is the best way to talk about zombies, honestly, because let's face it, there are very few to no accounts that have been, you know, not proven false about a guy who is dead coming back to life and eating someone else compared to Bigfoot, who is most definitely real, or, you know, aliens who have all these encounters, which we're going to dive into, but it's hard to talk about zombies in a serious sense, because let's face it, there's only one documented um, incident of a zombie, and even then it's not really a zombie, it's some dude. And we don't know what, what was wrong with him. Yeah, I mean, there's cases of people being poisoned with tetrodotoxin and like fugu fish, where they have mannerisms that are similar to zombies, experience like a chemical death almost. So whenever they're brought back, it's a way that that's natural and explainable. But yeah, the one that I can't get my, I can't wrap my brain around the Causeway Cannibal, because there was no rhyme or reason behind that. So I definitely feel like it was appropriate for us to talk about it since it is still unexplained and I feel like it has some supernatural roots. Yeah, and I mean, something that is explained is the zombie fungus. Basically, this fungus infects an ant, eats away at everything in its body, like its brain and its nervous system, so that it controls the body and it's got a growth out of its head. And the ant, against its will, makes the ant climb up to like the highest point it can get to so that the fungus can let out its spores. And that is um, kind of the basis for the zombies that show up in The Last of Us. So I thought that was really interesting and I thought it was good to bring up for this episode. It's one of the few real life examples of zombies that I could find. That is, I think, that was my huge fear. That was my massive fear actually, outside of bath salts, was the zombie fungus evolving to infect humans. There's quite a few different parasites who have a way of manipulating their host into being controlled by them so there's like there's a specific kind of wasp that's able to do it there's a worm as well the horsehair worm it's really weird stuff and like you said i really hope that somewhere in the world nobody is working on trying to make that to where they can utilize that on humans leave stuff alone guys i think it's safe to say that a lot of the stuff that happens in zombie movies and the reason we get zombies nowadays is because people are playing god and screwing with things that they shouldn't it's very important to like, no, we do not do this anymore. We do not play God with diseases. What is it? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that's it. So I think what we should do is our roundup of scale of one to 10. How confident are you that zombies are a real phenomenon? I'm going to say a one. I think the last few weeks I've been very much on the low end of our rankings, but I'm going with a one on this one. They're fun to talk about. They're fun to play video games, you know, about. They're fun to watch movies about. But if they are real and it ends up being like The Walking Dead, just kill me. Just kill me. I'm going to go pretty low myself, you know, with only one real documentaries and then, you know, some that are really speculative. I'm going to say a two because there's only been one case of unexplainable cannibalism that's happened. And I'm not seeing anything on the the future where we're going to be like Raccoon City or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's about right. But um, with that, I do want to say that Oddity is written and produced by me, Joe and Keith. All audio is used under the protection of fair use. And if you have your own stories or have suggestions on what we should talk about next, please email us at podcast at oddity.studio. You can also follow us on Twitter at oddity2. That's oddity, T-O, like Tara Lowen. And join us next week when we go into the spooky fun world of alien abductions. And make sure you reach out to Dan Aykroyd, everybody. Let him know he needs to be on this podcast and let him know that we want to talk to him about alien abduction. But anyways, with that, I have been Joe. And I have been Keith. Stay off the bath salts, kids. I'm feeling itchy, tasty. I'm going to go have a chill sandwich. (laughs) 